0: Welcome to International Podcast Month, or IPM. IPM is brought to you by the organizational team, Cole, Tess, and Theron. A very special thank you to all of our participants, without whom this event wouldn't be possible. And now, on to the episode.
1: Join the crew of the Westbreaker as they explore a peaceful post-apocalypse and try and help it lay to rest the mistakes of its war-torn past. Cobb plays a backing track for a demon's story, Penelope leaps onto the back of a giant eagle. Tissa finds her own stories to focus on instead. Come with us on our journey every Saturday on Sword of Symphonies. Together we can survive.
2: It's more like she's going to cut in front of you in the lunch line (laughs) and pretend nothing happened.
0: (laughs) Writing Alchemy is a storytelling podcast that centers intersectional characters, including a fairy tale series that combines humor and magic with serious topics, and a tabletop role playing series about the adventures of disabled and mentally diverse heroes. Check out Writing Alchemy at writingalchemy.net or subscribe on Stitcher, iTunes, or Google Play.
3: What does a nano turn thief? I'm
0: pretty strict about what jobs I do.
3: A right turn fugitive. We can't go there. A laid back monk with financial problems.
0: We got monsters incoming. Why? Natural instinct, I assume.
3: (laughs) And a disgraced performer have in common. Are you famous? Define fame. They've all been contracted in a recruitment exercise they cannot begin to understand. Explorers Wanted is a weekly Numenera actual play podcast about exploration, intrigue, and friendship. To learn more, visit explorerswanted.fm. Welcome to this session of Necronautilus. I'll be your humble GM, Daniel Anderlich from the Explorers Wanted podcast. And I am joined today by Toby.
2: Hi, my name's Toby. I use she, her pronouns, and I am a part of the Writing Alchemy podcast, which is a real play podcast where there are disabled players playing disabled heroes, and it's pretty fun. Very cool. Graham.
4: Hey. I am Graham. I am on the Roll Less Taken podcast. That's roll with an E. We are doing a variety of systems, and I think at the time of recording, we will be putting out episodes of Sleepaway, where I play Jet, the himbo lifeguard, who is trying real hard to make sure his air campers don't get eaten by the lindworm. I use he or they pronouns. And Cat.
1: Hi! I am Cat. I use she and they pronouns interchangeably. And I am the host king of the podcast Sword of Symphonies, where my good, cool friends play test my big adventure game, Heroic Chord. Cozy, cool. post-apocalyptic vibes.
3: I like host king. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are playing Necronautilus, going through this universe of death, and our players are going to be playing death agents, which are fractured souls inside a cloud of noxious gas. They don't have any memories of who they were. The only thing that they remember is that they had one reason for agreeing to become a death agent, to serve the blind god death. So what I'd like you guys to do is each one of you to introduce your character's call sign, tells what their words of power are. You don't need to go through your collection right now, but just your main words of power and your reason.
2: My character's call sign is Trigger, and their words of power are... Lucid, connection, and flippant. Mm. Their reason to choose to become an agent for death is because they wanted to to forget everything about their life and unlife before this point. So they mm. know nothing about themselves, including their gender, which is why they are genderless mm-hmm. and use they pronouns. Okay, very cool. How about you, Graham?
4: Uh, I am playing Mistral. Which who also uses they pronouns. My words of power are gravity, starborn, and lightkeeper. And my reason is to open a portal between worlds in service to my queen. Mm. And cat.
1: I am playing Rip. Rip uses it, its pronouns. Rip became a death agent out of gratitude toward death for a lifetime of feeding it. And Rip's words of power are... After, which and carrion.
3: Nice. very nice. So as death agents, you guys travel this galaxy of death, and you know, you have very specific guidelines for what you're supposed to do when you receive these missions. is it could be to catalog new planets, because everything that's ever died has been here. so everything is sort of like existing and changing in a quantum state to help prevent anybody who thinks that they can escape death because that's not possible, and it's important for you as agents to remind them. And three, to keep the balance in this vast galaxy, in that you are supposed to stop any kind of exploitation, totalitarianism, things like that. Like You're, you're supposed to keep all these entities that have all come to this universe of death, because they everything dies, and everything that's ever died or will ever die is already here. And keep them in balance, as is the will of death. What you guys do to get between all those worlds is you have a special ship called the Nautilus. So, the first question I have for you guys, and this is very important what's the name of your ship? Jeffrey. You guys good with that?
1: Please, someone come up with something else. <laughs> Please. <don't>...
2: <laughs> <laughs> Please. <sighs>
3: Just so you know, whatever you name your ship will also be ha- the name of your AI.
2: I, I kind of like Star Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Star Jeffrey. Okay. Is that Jeffrey with a G or a J?
1: I think it's got to be with a J, right?
3: <laughs> yes. Okay. Star Jeffrey. Okay.
4: Is it maybe a word that in a language that one of our characters speaks, it means something else, but to English listeners, it just sounds like a dude named Jeffrey, who is a spaceship? <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. On my planet, the symbol means hope. Right. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> so, your ship, does it look like the traditional Nautilus, or does it have something different about its appearance?
2: I think maybe we've got a series of skulls around the outside that kind of create a grid pattern to look like a star.
1: Ooh. Yeah,
4: nice. I, I, I that. like
2: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very cool.
1: Can I propose just a huge window?
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Is it a star-shaped window?
1: No, it looks like a huge bulbous eye. Okay.
4: Ooh. Okay.
1: Like, enormous. We're talking just like a third of the surface area of one of the sides is covered by a huge window. Mm.
3: Okay, cool.
1: We don't have eyes, but whatever.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay, cool. So your ship has four modules that make up everything that it can do. It has operational systems, it has navigation and communication, weapons and defense, and engine and propulsion. Now. Each ship can be equipped differently, and they're equipped with words. So as always with Necronautilus, everything comes down to wordplay and the fun of how subjective language is. So what you're going to do is you guys are going to populate these four modules with words from your collection, one word per module. And since there are three of you, I will donate a GM word to you, and you can decide where you want to put it, and that is firecracker.
1: If I may, if if neither of you have anything you'd like to start with, I have the word dense in my collection that I think would make a good weapons and defense word.
5: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. It's just the the Star Jeffrey is, is dense and powerful.
3: Nice. Okay. So remove that from your collection, and it is now slotted into weapons and defense.
2: Hmm. Okay, so. I'm going back and forth between saying that our engine should be explosive or our communication should be literally.
5: <laughs> <laughs> mm.
2: I think I'll go with communication should be literally. Oh, I was hoping you yeah, would
4: like that very much. Okay.
2: Hoping- <laughs> nice.
4: Very nice. Okay. The ones that I'm go- like on the fence about are using engine and propulsion as invert or uh, operational systems as paradise. So either we have a real comfy mm. ship, or we fly upside down. Mm-hmm.
2: Don't forget, one of these is going to be Firecracker. Right. So whichever one you don't choose will either have a Firecracker engine or a Firecracker operational system.
4: <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's go with a Paradise Ops system, and which puts Firecracker in the engine section. Okay, so we have got your ship set up. So we've got Star Jeffrey
3: with a paradise operational system, literally navigation and communication, that's going to be fun, dense weapons and defense, and firecracker engine and propulsion. Let me ask a question. Have you three death agents been working together long, or have you just recently been assigned to each other?
1: Mm -hmm. I vote for long time. That's my vote. I don't know about the two of you. I'm on board.
2: I like the idea that we've been working together for a long time, but I get death to repeatedly wipe my memory, so I think that we're new.
4: Ooh,
3: I like that a lot. Okay, I like that. So, you guys are currently on a mission, and this is actually kind of a nice change from most missions, in that this is supposed to be a relatively simple cataloging mission. There's a new asteroid belt that's shown up however some of the asteroids are large enough that they need to be checked out to see if there's any sort of extremely hardy life form there and so you've been sent out and honestly this is a nice break from everything else that you've been doing so you have just essentially parked the nautilus at this asteroid belt and you're getting ready to catalog it When your AI chimes in over the speaker and says, Hello, crew, this is Star Jeffrey coming back again just to let you know that I'm proud of you and know that you can do anything you set your minds to.
2: Well, thanks, Star Jeffrey. I'm proud of you, too. (laughs) (laughs) I think that never gets less unnerving
1: to Rip. (laughs) Every single time Star Jeffrey says that, Rip cringes visibly.
3: Yeah. Research by other death agents has uncovered that positive reinforcement regularly increases the likelihood of mission success.
2: Thanks, Star Jeffrey. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I guess in that case, Star Jeffrey, you have done some excellent research and you are doing a very good job. I appreciate that. And
3: there's like a little twinkle sound going through all, all the internal systems of the ship. All right. Now I unfortunately have to share the bad news with you.
4: There's always bad news, isn't there?
2: Oh, um, I love bad news. Can can I step outside for this part? I'm afraid not.
4: We've received new orders.
2: Yeah, okay, that's, that's not bad yeah, news. Yeah, it
3: doesn't sound like bad news to me.
2: That's normal news.
3: Well, it will be less fun than charting asteroids, at least in my opinion. I do love rocks. There has been a report from another death agent on return that one of the previously cataloged planets has been amassing a colonial force. And that alone wouldn't necessarily be a problem. Uh, exploration is and resettlement is, of course, always allowed. But they appear to be amassing a rather large military force at the same time, which leads us that this might be less about exploring and spreading out their civilization and more about subjugating another one Uh the report indicates that we are to or rather you all are to go to this planet which is currently cataloged as b-17 and you are to go there determine what is going on and if they are attempting a military or exploitive campaign to nearby star systems that we are to remind them of the nature of this galaxy and put a stop to it. Mm.
2: Okay, so we're just bringing a message. Hopefully that's all it
4: will require.
2: But if we
0: wanted to do something else...
4: We could send a message.
3: I'm afraid that the planet B-17 is rather distant from us, but I'm sure that with working together, we can get you there in a timely fashion. Uh, Your directives, please.
0: I have faith in your abilities, Star Jeffrey.
3: Thank you. I appreciate it. However, you are all, of course, joint captains of this ship, so please provide your directives, and I will do my best to... Implement them as you request. I think let's go to let's B-17, was it? hmm So how would you guys like to go about doing that? Your ship has four modules. So I'll tell you right now that this is going to start a clock of three wedges that you're going to have to fill up in order to reach that planet safely. The Galaxy of Death is not safe. While nothing here really di- ever dies, because they already died long ago... You can still run into problems. Your ships can be destroyed. Mm. You're know, you extremely powerful individuals, but that doesn't mean that there aren't natural hazards or very foolish individuals who don't know better than to tangle with the agents of death.
2: So do we have to use the words that we have with our ship in order to go to B-17?
3: Correct. And they don't get used up right away. So each of your modules has four wedges. So you can use each module four times before the word depletes.
1: And it takes three to get us to be 17 safely.
3: Yes. You'll have to do at least three things that will help you on your way, whether they're through your ship or something else.
1: Okay. I think Rip is going to settle in front of the massive window and just go, shoot everything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Blast your way through.
3: Okay, so you're basically pre-programming the weapon systems to attack anything that it sees? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. That doesn't sound like it would have any consequences whatsoever.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it sounds like we might be in for a long trip. Can you please set up the Paradise Spa routine and I'll go wait in the back?
4: Ooh. And I will go... Okay. I'll go set the firecracker engine. Which I just okay. like, picture, like, in space, no one can hear you sparkle, who just kind of sparkles as we go. Ooh. It's real pretty. Very cool.
1: I'm picturing Dense in this situation as being just like, the Star Jeffrey is, when it activates weapon systems, bristling with guns. Yeah. Okay.
3: So, we are pre-programming the weapons to be ready to build up this dense defensive thing. So that means that Rip will start off by rolling. So you're going to roll 2d6. Your ship is in perfect condition right now, so you are just trying to get lower than an 8. Or equal to an 8.
1: 5! Yeah. I don't know why I did that in character voice. I only have so much of this character <laughs> yes. voice in me. 5. 5 is yeah.
3: what I got. Okay, awesome. So, the weapon systems engage. You guys can hear a thrum through the ship. Obviously, the outside the ship, there would be no sound because it's space, but inside the ship you can hear servos moving as weapons are being deployed to the hull. Trigger.
2: Okay. For Paradise. So I am activating the Paradise Spa Routine, and with my roll I get... Nine.
3: Ooh. Okay. So, you uh, attempt to trigger the Paradise Spa Routine, (laughs) and that definitely attempts to do something. However, the it's kind of weird. Like there's this sort of non-Newtonian fluid that really works kind of like a hot tub for death agents gas clouds. It's usually super cozy. But there's a problem in that the tub, the like the chamber that it's in begins leaking and starts getting into some of the electronics in the operational systems. And there are some sparks as one of the consoles sort of sparks and dies. So your ship has taken one wedge of damage.
2: I guess it just makes sense that for for this game, the one opportunity for rest and relaxation is the thing that <laughs> fails. Yes,
3: exactly, exactly. Okay, Mistral.
4: All right,
3: Firecracker.
4: Uh, that-
3: so you're trying to beat a seven. It would be a four. Nice. Okay, so you guys, is, tell me about the crackle of the engines if you're using Firecracker.
4: I don't think it starts off as an explosion. I think it. Kind of, I'm kind of picturing like a like a sparkler, kind of just a constant stream of like psss, like fizzy, fizzy stuff. And then after like a few minutes of that, there is a very big explosion, and the ship just hurdles, you know, just straight into the dark.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. So your ship is flying through. Meanwhile, operational systems are just a mess right now. You guys will need at least to do something else to get you to this planet. As of right now, there's a real risk that the operational system is going to cause a problem. So what module would you like to engage to try to ensure that something else doesn't go wrong? Could be one you've already used. It could be a new one.
1: Okay. Gang, should we actually try using navigation to get where we're going?
4: (laughs) I was going to say...
1: <laughs> Should that be our last resort here? Just,
4: so we just, you know, get literally to the place we're going. <laughs> yeah. 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 We just, we literally yeah. arrive.
3: Okay, cool. Who would like to roll for that? You're trying to beat a seven.
2: I'll go I, for that. I could do go it. Go for, oh, for it.
1: Oh, no, Toby, okay. please. Yeah. All right, all right. It's your, it's your word. Yes. Here we
2: go. Eight. <laughs> <laughs> Toby! <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay. So. You guys suddenly feel this shake as the ship kind of like alters course a little bit, and then suddenly slams into a stasis, and there is a crunching sound on the outside of the hull.
2: Oh no! And
3: Star Jeffrey, Ch- Star Jeffrey chimes in and says, "It appears that we have encountered some unusual debris." Go look out Jeffrey. the window.
2: Star Jeffrey, when when we said like literally go to our definition, we did not mean it figuratively.
3: I, I'm aware this this got in the way. I was able to blast away some of it, but ah! there is some that is holding us. That was just out of weapons reach. That's interesting.
2: It's holding us back now.
3: Yes, and it appears to be caustic.
2: Ah, oh, that's not fun. I have every faith in you.
4: Can we redirect the? I don't know. For some reason, I'm just picturing like water and cornstarch. Is the paradise fluid? Can we just redirect that onto the like out of the vented onto the thing? Yeah, yeah. You could try doing that. Let's see what happens.
3: So now you're trying to beat a six.
4: Uh, How's two sound? Woo!
3: Very good. So you're using the paradise?
4: Yeah. Gonna. Okay. I'm afraid the paradise won't work on the way home. (laughs)
3: okay so yeah this non-newtonian fluid goes over and even though it's cold enough that it should freeze but it doesn't it's almost like this debris is causing its own heat as well but the debris becomes fixated with that and star jeffrey is able to break free of that scenario and in theory you just need
4: one more thing to reach the planet Guns, guns, guns! <laughs> I'm sitting here like, do we use okay. the engine again? Do we like just navigate there? Yeah.
2: Do you want to like point the guns backwards and fire them all at once so we can go faster?
1: I do want that very badly, yeah. yes. Yes, I do very much want that. Thank you. I'm, I'm just kind of
4: picturing, like, like Mistral is, like, looking out the window and just, like, you know, okay, things seem to be good, and is, like, about to turn to start, like, navigating or uh, float on down to the engine to activate, and then just suddenly there's, like, a chant of the word guns over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: one thing that's really delightful about Necronautilus is that we don't really necessarily develop characters, but all of a sudden the second I became Rip, this powerful chaotic energy took control of me.
3: <laughs> yeah. All okay. right. Well then Rip, beat a six.
1: Four, baby.
3: Nice. So these guns in the ship turn and begin blasting. Now, some of the guns don't have any necessarily recoil to push you forward but I doubt that matters to Rip <laughs> because the important thing is that all of them are firing, <laughs> even the ones that aren't going to pull you. So they, they're hitting this debris and basically shredding it as you blast forth. And this time, Star Jeffrey drops you literally exactly where you're supposed to be, floating over a planet of chrome and blood listed as B-17. It looks like it's almost like a gigantic creature, or maybe it was some sort of gigantic cyborg at one point that in its own time probably hosted life and then died. And sure enough, there is this planet. You can see that from even from here that there are some megacities down below, both on the sort of fleshy parts and on the metal parts of this planet. There are great red seas that cross this planet presumably blood and there is in fact what appears to be a large fleet of space-faring ships floating above this planet like it looks like at least 50 ships some of them are military in nature some appear to be transport in nature
2: A Star Jeffrey uh let's Open up the communications and see if we can announce our presence here.
4: Absolutely. I was going to suggest announcing our presence with our Firecracker engine. Just explode onto the scene. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I would say you're... I mean, you guys can tell me. I mean, with the, with the literally navigation, since that was... Well, no, that didn't succeed <laughs>
5: so...
3: <laughs> Yeah, I, I would say you probably didn't have a stealthy approach here, but if Trigger wants to announce your presence,
2: yeah, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess that since we mostly got here by blasting everything in our way and shooting all our guns to get a little extra speed, we probably have um, <laughs> <laughs> made a very flashy entrance. So I'm just gonna. Uh-huh open up communications and I i guess hail them.
3: Okay, so that'll be a six.
2: Okay, let's roll this. Three this time. Okay.
3: Nice. Okay. There is a moment of static and then Star Trek Jeffrey lets you know, like, they should be hearing us now.
2: Entities of the planet B-17. This is trigger of death's agent's Please comply with death's dictates. Okay, folks, I, I think we did it. Job well done. Yeah. Pat on the back. Okay, all right. <laughs>
3: Another voice comes on the feed. It's very strange. Like, it's a distorted, odd voice. You suspect that it probably is something that is difficult to understand, but you, as a death agents, and since this world was already charted once before you guys have a rudimentary understanding of it. As well, Star Jeffrey is doing some translation for you. But the voice says, is this some kind of
4: joke? Are you some kind of joke?
2: Yeah! Asshole! <laughs> you need a punchline for there to be a joke. Do you have one?
3: Are you a punchline? I'm very confused. This. Listen, this is Admiral Mido.
2: Oh, no, no, no. We're supposed to... Okay start over again. Knock, knock. Uh,
3: who's there?
2: Admiral Mido.
3: Admiral Mido who? That's me. I,
2: I, I don't know, you tell me. Who? Who's Admiral, who's, who's Admiral Mido?
3: I am the commander of the Florence fleet.
2: Ah, okay. Cool. Well, so you're gonna, like, follow all of, of Death's dictates, right? Including the, like, no military killing bunch of people, that kind of Right. There
3: is a long pause on the feet, and they come back and say, "I follow Ordelish's edicts. No one else's."
2: Ordealish who?
3: ordelish that our our emperor.
1: Whoa, shit! when Would you get an emperor? Am I allowed to say shit? <laughs> uh, yes. Was I allowed to say asshole earlier? <laughs> yes. Okay. Good. Cool. Sorry. Ordelish,
3: first spore among us. Hmm.
2: Wait, mm. is Ordelish a person or four people?
3: Ordelish is a singular emperor.
2: Okay. And, and, and is the first four what?
3: Oh, sorry. First spore.
2: Spore. Oh, okay.
3: Always has to be mushrooms. Star Jeffrey chimes in. I'm sorry. I'm doing my best to translate in real time.
0: <laughs> Good job, Star Jeffrey.
3: Thank you, Rip. I believe in you, too.
2: Uh, well... Admiral, I guess we have to deliver our message. So if you just take orders, I suppose you should set up a, a meeting with us between the, uh, us and, and this or delicious guy.
5: <laughs> okay.
3: I think this feels like a role could be interesting. Okay. So for this... I feel like this is probably not a ship function. No. You could either use one of your words of power in some way, or you could try a luck roll.
2: Mm. I'm gonna use my word of power. I'm gonna say I want to be communicating this incredibly lucidly and um, direct Mm. and just get the direct, easy response that I'm hoping for.
3: Ooh, okay. Yeah, that's good. Okay,
2: so that
3: will be a six.
2: I'm rolling six, exactly.
3: Nice. So. Okay, so that, that is a phenomenal success.
2: The trigger!
3: Okay, okay cool. So what you're going to do is you are going to take that word. It succeeds so well, it's going to fracture. Okay. The word that you've got now, you're going to remove some letters for it and make a new word of power that has a value of seven. So it's more powerful than the one you just created.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: And then the remain the letters you take out, you're going to use to make a new word in your collection. And if you leave any letters left over, that's going to give you more life.
2: Okay. Well, this is my shortest word. It's only got five letters. So. Mm-hmm i got to get creative with my spelling here. (laughs) I'm going to... Okay, so I guess for my word of power... Wait, do they have to be four letters? Is that one of the rules?
3: Yes.
2: Okay, for a second I was thinking I could split it into two words of ID and luck. But I will instead Mm -hmm. just... Drop the d and uh turn it into l u i c for look for luck s- luck okay. kind of slurred when you're talking
3: <laughs> okay. How many letters are you left over with then two just one the d oh perfect well, then, um, you're good. But what memory does that spark for trigger?
2: I see myself talking on a phone and I can hear. The person on the other side is crying, and I'm saying something, I'm not sure what I'm saying, but it is the cause of the person crying.
3: Okay, so jot that down as a memory on your sheet with a value of 7. What happens then is, as you explain this quite clearly and lucidly in a way that is almost impossible to argue with, and... Your words take on, like, a stronger resonance from your word of power. It almost becomes compelling. And there is a pause, and the Admiral responds, Let me see what I can do. Roughly 15 minutes pass before the comms trigger again, and the Admiral indicates, I've arranged an audience with you, with Ordalish." On the planet's surface, I'll send you coordinates to the city. And Star Jeffrey chimes, acknowledging that he's received coordinates, or they've received coordinates.
2: Okay. Let's go there.
3: Yep. Okay. So Star Jeffrey begins a landing. Star Jeffrey moves following these coordinates since the Admiral gave you explicit coordinates. There's no need to like roll or anything like that to get to where you need to be the coordinates are specifically to sort of a more of an open patch of land like just outside of this megacity specifically so that you know there's space for you to land it's quite clear to you guys that they probably had no idea how much damage your propulsion units can do so they wanted to give you some space away from any buildings or anything like that but the nautilus settles down comfortably on its tentacles and on the ground You guys can feel the familiar pull of gravity against your plowed bodies, and Star Jeffrey opens up a door to the hole leading down to the planet's surface. And as you step out, you can see in the distance some sort of ground transport making its way to you.
0: I'm gonna eat an emperor today,
4: (laughs) Star Jeffrey. You can uh, (laughs) leave the weapons out. Just kind of, just kind of looking, looking scary. Let's, you know make ourselves appear bigger than we are. Absolutely. I prefer to appear supportive, but I will do this for you. Thank you. You're supporting me, and that's really it's important.
3: Oh, excellent. That is in compliance with my programming. And the weapons start like moving into position and in the distance the ground transport suddenly slows <laughs> down <laughs> and comes to a stop like watching from a distance and you can you can't see the individuals piloting it from here, but you can see they've stopped at the movement of the guns. I'm
0: satisfied. Um, hey jerks. Us jerks or them jerks? I respect you jerks. I respect your capabilities and believe this mission will be a success. Great.
4: I sure hope so.
2: Yeah, so just to clarify, do we have any kind of a plan other than meet the Emperor and eat the Emperor?
4: I'd say those are plan A and plan B. Okay. (gasps) I don't know. Maybe plan C is kind of look around, see what kind of of stuff they got going on. See if they got Uh, anything they shouldn't have, you know.
2: I just want this to be as easy as possible. I want to, like, you know, give them a message. They say, okay, and then we can leave. So let's go do it and hope that's how it turns out. Yeah. Okay. So um, we'll start heading over to the transport.
3: So you step out of the ship, and one of the things you notice is that it smells like barbecue, which makes sense because you landed on the fleshy surface of this planet. And as you step down, it is definitely like crispy, crispy flesh of some sort that you're walking across. It definitely smells like food, Rip. <laughs> um, not the sort rotten <laughs> food that you're interested in, but it definitely smells like food. The planet smells delicious.
2: If only I had a stomach and a mouth <laughs> and a digestive system.
3: Mm-hmm. So
2: as you guys walk slash
3: float down this ramp, the transport begins slowly moving up to you again, and one of the doors on it opens and out steps a roughly humanoid figure with strange sort of rubbery flesh. In fact, they almost look like if you somehow stretched a mushroom into a person. They appeared including like underneath their chin and around their neck is got sort of like mushroom cap gills. Like it appears to be a fungal creature stepping out. And they say I take it you are the death agents that are coming to the meeting with Ordlish?
2: Yeah. Yes, that is us.
3: Oh, okay. All right. Um. Do you have any equipment or luggage that we need to take care of?
0: Lucky for you, no.
4: We travel light. Yeah. Mistral says, hovering six inches above the ground. So... They say, okay,
3: we'll uh, hop right in. We'll we'll take you in. It, it is a bit of a drive into the city. And then, of course, Oralicious Palace is at the center of the city. And so we'll have to make our way through. But we've gone ahead and cleared the path. So it, we shouldn't have to worry about traffic. <sighs> so they open up a passenger compartment on this vehicle. Okay. Load on, on in. in. Yeah. It would be cramped if you guys weren't just gases. Like, you know clouds of noxious gas, but as of right now, like, it's totally fine, especially since you guys can kind of, like, compress and stretch in different ways while you're in that form. And the vehicle begins moving, and you enter this city, and the city appears to be made out of a similar material as the the chrome parts of this planet. It appears that this civilization has been sort of harvesting that as materials. In fact, you can also see that not the buildings themselves, but the where the surface hasn't been explicitly paved where there is, the chrome seems to be slowly regenerating, like the planet is sort of rebuilding its chrome components so they can then harvest it. But it appears that some of these buildings as you're going by, that some of them are really impressive and some seem to be crumbling on the edge of collapsing. like They just haven't been maintained. It seems like their whole thing has been, if a building starts suffering, they just build another one. So this megacity isn't so much that it's widely populated or spread out, it's that they just keep building new buildings and abandoning the old ones. As you pass through, you can see that true to what they said, there is no traffic like the paths have been cleared but you can see some of these sort of Gray fungal faces like staring out at you guys as windows as the vehicle goes past until you reach an immense structure at the center of this city. It is a palace that it's like somebody built up the chrome to resemble like a rock cave entrance that is roughly a hundred feet in diameter. And the synth has been structured to actually look like rock. And it appears to be, you can see lights all along it. So apparently the interior of that curve is where all the actual building is, the, the structure inside. And the driver pulls up and says, right this way.
2: Okay, let's, uh, let's go meet the Emperor.
3: So they lead you to what appears to be some sort of elevator. The elevator would comfortably fit about three humans. But instead, you've got your driver, a attendant, a fungal tenant, and the three of you coming into this elevator. And the door shuts, and the elevator begins moving. And it's slow. Like, first Mass Effect slow (laughs) elevator. You guys are riding in this elevator in just utter silence and at this point like 5 minutes have passed in this elevator
2: have we noticed like the the driver and the attendant doing anything are they just standing perfectly still do they look surprised that it's taking so long do they look nervous
4: they do not look nervous or surprised
2: okay in that case i'm just going to keep waiting
4: is it moving can we detect movement
2: <laughs> did somebody perfect you can press feel the feel button it moving. okay
3: <laughs> you can feel the sensation of motion but the elevator is definitely moving incredibly slowly like if this was like a flat surface instead of this weird arc you feel like you could walk there faster than this elevator
4: moves so either we ask them for both of their life stories or I could use a word of power to make us move faster <laughs> you could or you could just sit in uncomfortable silence I suppose that's also an option the next fifteen minutes. Now I want to hear both of their life stories, birth to death. <laughs> okay, you're just asking that, or what are you going to do? Uh, yeah, I think I'm just going to be like, so what are your names? Where are you from? how How does this planet, you know, celebrate its life cycle? Yeah, people of this planet celebrate its life cycle.
3: The attendant just kind of looks at you in confusion, but your driver turns and says, "Don't mind them; they can't speak. They're not of that type." My name is Lonsky. I was spored about four years ago. Yeah. I've been serving the Emperor ever since. Pretty simple, easy life. Grow up, feed on organic matter until you sprout some legs. Then you go to work. Somebody lets you know what your role is. And yeah, I've been happy to be driving and showing people around for all of these years.
2: Mm, Lonsky, uh, what do you like to do for fun? fun you mean like eating like yeah on your own time when you get to like do something just for enjoyment
3: i don't know what you mean i mean this is what i do i just drive and show people around occasionally i sport. do you enjoy it i mean it's fulfilling to know i i did my job well except when i don't do it well god i'd hate to think that
2: has that happened before
3: not to me, but I've I've known people who haven't done their jobs well and they're usually tossed to the recycling pits for newly spored citizens.
2: And is that fun?
3: You keep using this word fun. I don't I don't really understand it. <laughs> we serve we serve the first spore among us and we grow and we spread. That is our purpose.
2: Where did the first spore come from?
3: Well, uh Initially, they were the first of us to sprout on, from what we understand, a planetoid much like this one. Although, from what, what Ordelish has taught us, it was not this one. It's, we are somewhere else here. And that's probably why it hasn't been ideal for us, in terms of building up. You know, there are many of us here that served Ordelish prior to coming to this place... And there are others like me who, you know, spored here and came up. I, I don't know that ancient, you know, home world that we originally came from. But, you know, I've made the best of it here. And, you know, I hope one day to be selected for one of the exploration teams looking for new places for us to spread and colonize.
2: Hmm. Neat. Yeah, we might be able to even help you out. I'll talk to your emperor about that, but, like, we've... We've already cataloged quite a lot of the uh, planets in this region.
3: Oh, really? Well, I'm sure Ordelish will be very pleased to hear that. Any help we can get identifying, good places to go. I, I know the, the fleet has been preparing for a while, and you know, they, you know hopefully we'll be able to get started relocating some of our population soon to somewhere even more ideal for our growth. I kind of want
4: to try and teach him about fun. <laughs> and I'm tempted. I'm trying to figure out the best way to do it. You can try anything. Can I generate a yo-yo as an item and try and teach him how to use it?
1: It would have hurt to do that.
4: <laughs> so
3: you can definitely do that. But if you leave the yo-yo with him, you're leaving a part of yourself behind.
4: Right. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm going to okay. black out an item.
3: <laughs> so you do feel like this pain as you condense a yo-yo out of your own gas and solidify it. But you have got a yo-yo now. <laughs> a really nice one. Like one of those ones they use for
4: like yo-yo competitions mm. and whatnot. I try to teach Lonsky how to use it and leave it with him. Just so this is fun. Fun is, you know, it is something that you do that doesn't have a, an express purpose. And but it makes you feel good. It makes you entertained in the way that you feel when you've you know done a job well. Except there is no work done. You should uh, go and teach your teach your friends about this. So
3: Lonsky tries to use it, and the yo-yo keeps reaching the end of the string and like not bouncing back up, or like bounces just a little bit, and like he hasn't quite got it yet. And he slowly rolls it up like you showed him, and he tries again, and it doesn't get anywhere, and he's like. I'm not sure I completely understand the appeal yet, but I'll, I'll keep trying. Demonstrate a few more times, maybe hand it to the attendant, let them try. The attendant just sort of looks at you and then looks back to the controls. Incidentally, the attendant doesn't have any arms oh, or okay. hands. They're just like a stalky, like, mushroom creature. Like, they don't, they, they're very odd. Like, they, they don't actually seem to interact with the controls in any way that you guys see. They just seem to be standing there.
2: I'm gonna take a crack at this, and watching this whole thing play out, where Lomsky is just not understanding how to make the yo-yo work. <laughs> I'm going to use a word of power here and help Lonsky make the connection Ooh. between how the function of the yo-yo works and enjoyment and fun, um, and my okay. word of power is connection. So
4: I could also help with my word gravity. Yeah. By manipulating gravity, so it's okay. easier to use the yo <laughs>
2: <laughs> Great.
4: Ooh, okay. My favorite okay, so. part of
1: this scene, if I may, and Rip is bewildered by this <laughs> because Lonsky already said like eating, and that was yeah, that was correct. We hit the correct answer. Why are you worried about this? But the the to me, cat, the best part is we're clouds of gas. So Mistral is manifesting hands in order to demonstrate a yo-yo. Which is just beautiful to me. Please, sorry, please carry on.
3: So Mistral, since you're contributing a word of power, a word from your collection, Mm -hmm. rather, so remove that from your
4: collection, and trigger, you will roll three... Uh, Sorry, I was contributing word of power. Can I use mineral instead and have that be, like, mineral oil now on the (laughs) yo-yo. Okay, cool. So then,
3: Toby, you'll roll 3d6 and choose the two that you want. Okay. And if you succeed, you get all the benefits. If you fail, both of you will suffer the consequences.
2: Mm, Okay, well, I have a 3, a 3, and a 5. So either I fail, or I get a perfect 6. So that's what I'm going for. (laughs) Okay, cool. So...
3: You fracture that word of power, and you split it up into a new word of power with value seven and another word for your collection using the remaining letters.
2: Okay, so let's see. I like... Onic is going to be my new word of power. Ooh, okay. And then... See, I've got to figure out a word with the remaining letters here. Oh, okay. I'm going to do none And that is going to leave me with two letters left over.
3: Okay, so you'll take one life, or add one life to your death agent.
2: Okay, now I'm at seven life.
3: And what memory does connection trigger for you?
2: I suddenly kind of, like, flash back to this moment of my life where I can't really see myself. I can see my hands, I can see... Another person sitting next to me, and we're laughing and smiling, and they look at me with just a casual look of enjoyment, and everything seems perfect.
3: Mm, okay, like that. Cool. So that is another memory on your sheet that you can use later. So as you are writing, as you say that word, as you invoke it, you can see... Lonsky, do it again, this time the yo-yo comes like halfway up, like he seems to be starting to get it, and he rolls it up the rest of the way, and by the time the elevator reaches the top, he's got it up and down, and you can see that his gills underneath seem to be wriggling, almost in some sort of amusement. And the elevator door opens, and He's just continually like playing the yo He doesn't even notice it's up for open for a moment. And then he's like, Oh, oh, so- sorry, we're here. Um, and there's this massive corridor coming from this elevator, and it is flanked with armed guards on like regular postings all throughout the corridor till it reaches this central door. And Lonsky kind of like, sort of almost sadly, like puts the yo yo away in a little pouch and begins. Wandering towards the main door, which opens as you all approach. And standing in the center of this room, surrounded by, once again, there are guards all around. This is a circular room. There is light coming in from a sunlight above. And in the center of this throne is this massive fungal humanoid that has multiple, like, caps with gills, like it's a multi-headed creature and it's massive. It doesn't look like it, like, you don't see legs, or if there are legs, they've been, like, they're hidden somewhere, folded underneath it. It doesn't look like it could move if it wanted to. And as you enter, the door shuts behind you, and Blonsky kind of takes a step back and points to a, essentially, like, a line on the floor and says you're allowed to approach up to that line but no closer and then they pause and they're like i'm not allowed to stay for the meeting so um i hope it goes well and he turns and leaves out a smaller door and even as he's going out that door you can see him reaching into his pouch for the yo-yo again
2: (laughs) great all right, our mission has succeeded here. Like that—that was—that was the goal of this game. To, yeah. To, to that like, was, yeah. Good game, up everyone. Up Good up game. A mushroom.
4: <laughs> yes. I'm hoping it winds up being like I've never actually seen Footloose, but I imagine it being just like this dystopian wasteland where dancing isn't allowed, and then suddenly at the end, everybody's dancing. So that's kind of what I'm picturing: mm. a Footloose yeah. is, and B is about to happen with this yo-yo. Right. Right. There is a rumbling
3: sound from Ordalish and says you come before the first spore you come before Ordalish. what brings you
2: greetings entities of the planet B-17 I am trigger of death's agents we are here to deliver a message and make sure that you are following the dictates of death so, like, no invading, killing other people. You, you, you seem ready to, to go off and explore and settle planets, but just want to check in and say, hey, don't do that with guns. <laughs>
3: cool? Why would you think that that is something our people would do?
4: Well, you have a bunch of guns outside on those ships those gunships
2: yeah with the guns
4: to protect our
3: empire oh
2: perfect I, I, so I can, if if that's not something you would ever do then then you can just like let us know that you're not gonna do that and everything's cool
3: no we, of course we wouldn't we wouldn't dream of defying the blind god death
2: yeah about that <laughs>
0: about that this whole situation with the emperor. You said the word empire. Ooh, here's the thing. Death hates that shit. Tyranny and stuff, all are equal under death. Those are the the laws of death, which we're here to enforce. And this whole thing is uh, not that. So I got a real big question for you. And I know you're not going to tell me the truth, but I want you to say something to it. If people on this planet want to speak out against you, would you let them? Would you let them do it?
3: Why would they want to speak out against the first spore?
1: Cool! Okay, fun! <laughs> Roof R- R- is like looking at Trigger and Mistral, just like...
4: So, so we're going from plan A to plan B? <laughs> they all
3: came from me, my spores. It's only right that they follow my will. That's what they did in my life, and that's what we do together in death.
2: Side conversation here. <laughs> Okay, side side <laughs> conversation here, or delicious. C- can you tell me, what do you do for fun?
3: <laughs> oh, fun. I like reading, and I do enjoy sporing. Gross. And in my youth, I enjoyed taking long walks.
1: Cool. Brip is just furiously vibrating. <laughs> <by the way. laughs>
3: yeah, 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 yeah. I also enjoyed hunting, just because it was unusual for our kind to do anything besides rooting and eating in that way. Hmm. But it was quite satisfying to chase your prey down and attach yourself to them, ah, and consume them. And, but of course. We don't do anything like that here. We don't need to
2: anymore. And with all of the entities that have spored from you, what if someone were to find fun doing something else? Let's say um, (laughs) yo-yoing. Would that be allowed?
3: I don't know what a yo-yo is, but as long as they're fulfilling their duties, I don't see why it would be a problem.
0: Hey, Mr. Why don't you hand this one a piece of your ass, too? (laughs)
3: <laughs> they served me, though I don't know what other satisfaction they need.
5: Mm.
2: Great. Well, this was all such a wonderful hypothetical conversation. It's it's really wonderful as an agent of death to get to philosophize with creatures from across the galaxy. So uh, let's let's just take a step back and say you got a lot of guns there. And some of them are, are necessary for defense. We got a lot of guns, too. But, like, let's just split the difference and um, destroy half your guns, and we can be on our way.
3: We'll call it, you know, first strike. That's not acceptable. It took so many resources to build that equipment. It's it's not something that I should throw away. That'd be wasteful. Mm. Look, you clearly are intelligent entities. And I'm sure we could come to some other kind of arrangement that. After all, what death can't see, death won't mind, right? Mm. They are
2: blind. Death minds a lot of things that they can't see.
0: Yeah, death can't see much, but uh, death minds a lot of stuff.
4: I mean, we could hear it out.
0: And death's just the greatest, is the thing.
4: The greatest?
0: Absolutely.
3: I'll take your word for it. I've never met them in person, but I've met Creatures like you all before.
4: Hmm. Then where did they go? Did they leave in peace? Most of them.
2: Cool! Hmm. That's nice. Yeah. Leave, le- le- leaving in peace is always a good way to go. So you're proposing, just just to be clear here, instead of taking half your guns and destroying them, you want to take half your guns and hide them from God? Hide hide them from from death and just like, I think we could make that compromise. Let's let's just put them in the sun.
3: Well, I don't think we need to even hide them. I think all that matters is that when you report in, that you say that that's what we did. Mm. And in exchange for something else, uh, we can work out a deal.
2: But you see, I like my continued existence. And I think you like your continued existence, too. Yeah. So that would be a bad plan. I have a question. Mm -hmm. So this is
1: Death's Galaxy universe. Death's Mm -hmm. existent world. Can things here further die?
3: (laughs) (laughs) So nothing truly dies here, because they're already dead, but they can be effectively like debilitated to the point where they can't do Mm. anything. I would say...
1: So you're not going to let me kill the Emperor. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, Death Agents is a little different, because your words of power deform
1: reality. Yeah. Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: so they, like, you guys have an immense amount of power. The thing I will say to that probably would ring a bell for you guys that's interesting is that Blonsky said something about the recycling pits. Hmm.
5: Mhm:
3: uh-huh. But nothing can die here.
4: I've actually been thinking that I can use my word of power lightkeeper as sort of in the sense of one who tends a lighthouse and lighthouses are tall and allow you to sort of look out over the expanse of, well, the ocean, traditionally, but I'm kind of trying to use mm-hmm. that as like an ability to see into the distance and see things that are perhaps not illuminated. In a very metaphorical way, very poetic way. <laughs> so, it's like trying
3: to take in the scope of the civilization, this planet.
4: Yeah, take in the scope. See any see any things that are they're trying to keep secret or trying to keep you know keep ships away from.
3: Okay, so that'll be a six, unless you've got something that can help you or somebody wants to aid you. Not hearing any volunteers to take the risk yeah. on
2: this one. So. Yeah, I'm looking at my words, and I'm not quite sure how I'd use them to help.
3: You can assist with luck as mm. well.
1: I do have a word that might help.
3: Okay.
1: I have, let me, I have the word after. I'd like to propose that this is like allowing you to see into the future of this situation to see what will happen if we take his word for it.
3: So if you're aiding him, you should use a word from your collection.
1: Oh, from the collection? hmm I have gall.
4: Like like a seagull?
1: <laughs> no, like um, like the the bodily fluid oh, okay. gall. Yes. Like what has Orderlish got the gall to do? <laughs> is what I'm.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: I like that.
1: Okay. Is what I am proposing. All, right. All of Rip's words are very visceral.
3: Yeah. Right.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
3: so, Mr. Roll will roll three d six
4: and choose the
3: two that you want to keep.
4: All right, So a second ago I rolled a one and a two, and I rolled second two. So. <laughs> Okay, cool. So, your
3: word succeeds. Yeah. So, what does lightkeeper bring to your mind?
1: Question first. When you um when you use a word from your collection, you erase it, right? Yes. Okay, thank you. Sorry about
4: that. No. Worries. Mm-hmm. So, I think I'm picturing Mistral was at one point in a sort of court, like a, you know, royal court of some sort. And was I think a little bit taller than everybody else there kind of stood head and shoulders above the rest and there were some people that uh, they were with that you know kind of kept seeing them as this like central point this kind of illuminated you know shining figure in the middle of the court and caught the attention of some of the higher ups in the in the court as well so very very bright and very uh you know light keeper as like a Maybe combat, like, some sort of, you know, bringing light into the darkness in a a military situation, perhaps. Cool. Very cool.
3: Okay, so you now have that memory. You take in, like, to everybody else, like, it looks like Mistral, like, stretches and shines a bit. And, Mistral, you see the entirety of everything on this planet at once. You can see... Bordelish on their throne. You can see all these civilization of these fungal people moving around. There doesn't appear to be much in the terms of other life here besides the planetoid itself. And you can see that all of these, you know, fungal people are, you know, serving different functions. You can see military forces, you can see people that are like engineers that are constructing things. You can see Lonsky yo-yoing in another room, (laughs) happily, getting quite good at it. They're trying their first tricks. And you also see the recycling pits, where these fungal creatures are thrown for new spores to feed off of. But they don't die. They are just consumed and left fractured in that space. Fractured fungal souls hmm. being consumed by these creatures that by all accounts in this realm of death probably shouldn't be able to, you know, create life like this, although anything could happen in the universe of death. But they you see these these individual rejects essentially being tossed to the pits to be consumed by new fungal offspring. Hmm. And you can see the ships above. And you can see that these are transport ships that are filled primarily with military soldiers.
4: Hmm. Had a feeling.
3: (laughs) See that Ordalish does have legs. They're just currently rooted into this
2: platform. So I've got a question about kind of the the physics of this dead universe. Mm -hmm. Nothing... Dies? Does that mean that for the most part, people don't eat, or people don't have to eat?
3: They probably don't have to. They probably do out of habit. It varies a lot by planet that you've been to, and each planet seems to follow like because everything is like in flux here. It seems like different parts of the galaxy, like the physics, are different.
2: Like, is 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 it a violation of of deaths? Laws to eat other entities.
3: I would say that that is something that is not very clearly spelled hmm. out. I think that is probably one of those things that death agents are expected to sort of make judgment calls. Crown
4: upon. When they show up <laughs> places. Yeah.
3: I mean, cause it, it could be, it could be part of it. Like it, there might be like some sort of, you know, n- natural give and take there, but like ultimately like, It's probably not okay, but the extent to which death agents concern themselves with it probably varies quite a bit. Mm.
1: Rip would like to do something impulsive.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I love impulsive.
1: I would like to use my power word, carrion, Mm. to reduce Ortolish to just a pile of rotting material.
3: Okay. Very cool. (laughs) So,
1: Rip hates this dude (laughs)
5: yes
1: (laughs) and has been growing has been like vibrating and i don't know if death agents have colors but rip is like bright red and shaking
2: the whole time
3: so question are you going to use the word on its own or do you have an item that will help you or an item you want to create to help you from your form
2: oh i want to help with a word from my collection um the word is explosive So I'm imagining just being reduced to carrion and then like blasting that all off in every direction. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I mean,
4: if you didn't do that, I was gonna pitch Uh, invert as uh, you know, going (gasps) inside out. So you've got you've got options. (laughs) We're
1: getting pretty metal here. We're getting very metal. Pretty metal here. Wow.
4: If only one of you is helping,
3: then it's 3d6. If two of you are helping, then it'd be 4d6, and you can choose which two you want. If you create an item from your body that somehow helps you with that, that would lower whatever your results is by two.
1: Mm. (laughs) God, I think Rip just wants to make a gun.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but remember, if a projectile leaves you, uh, then it does damage.
1: A gun that does Mm. lasers?
4: Like a laser gathering. That's a little too
3: complex, but you could you could make yourself a badass like sword or spear that stretches far enough to hit him.
1: Huge, hideous battle axe. Okay, perfect. Enormous, hideous battle axe.
3: (laughs) Yeah, like like almost like cartoonishly big, like something that shouldn't be able to be swung by something. Your side, you'll roll three d six. Okay. Choose two and remove, and then reduce that value by two because you've got your item.
1: Whee! Oh, that's good, because I rolled very, very high. <laughs> um, and the difficulty here is six, yeah? Yep. Just made it five.
2: Oh, good. Yeah.
3: Okay, cool. So, what does Carrion spark in you for memory?
1: Carrion sparks a memory of flying. High, high, high above a heat-blasted landscape, feeling blazing hot air under wings. I used to have wings. Mm-hmm. And the hot air suddenly carries up a scent of rot.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. You've got that memory with value 7. So this battle axe swings, carrying on it um, this notion of carry and you hit Ordelish. Ordalish begins screaming as these explosive boils start popping up all over its form and popping and it's rotting and orderlish begins screaming and you guys are now in a situation where you've got a very unhappy emperor (laughs) who is being turned into this painful rotting husk you've now got a clock (laughs) with Eight wedges. One of those wedges are is filled in for you. But orderlish as they scream is going to yell Kill them! Tear them apart as he is popping and he's trying to get up, but like he's just this rotting meat, he's, he's having difficulty. But guards are going to come after you and Oh huh. Yeah, yeah. It's uh-huh. funny, like trying to kill the Emperor the- and <laughs> Big room. I said
1: it was like. impulsive.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so when this all started, like Trigger could kind of see this coming together and is, is kind of like, has this first feeling of like, oh no, this is going to cause a problem. But then is like, but if you're going to take a swing at the Emperor, you better not miss. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. Tosses in yeah. the explosive boils. Yeah, prepares themselves for the un- oncoming onslaught.
3: Okay, cool. So, the Emperor and the guards, this, this scenario with them, all sort of functions like a swarm essentially for this clock. So the guards are going to come at each of you. Rip, I think it's only fair that they try to attack you first. I guess. <laughs> so they are going to try to hit you. How would you like to defend yourself from these big mean fungi
1: mm, with more power words
3: <laughs> okay
1: I think I'm going to use my power word witch
3: Ooh, okay
1: and I'm just going to attempt to to bewitch them to to put them in a trance and halt their attack
3: Ooh, okay okay so that'll be uh, six
1: that will be six hang up six
3: nice okay so how does which um what memory does that spark in you
1: i am eating i've got just strips of meat hanging from my mouth and a person approaches me and their eyes are milky white and they're adorned with feathers and with skulls and with Everything that would indicate that this is not a normal person. Plus, they're approaching me, and that's weird.
5: Mm. Okay,
3: so you've got that memory with the value seven. Now you get to fracture your word.
1: Yeah. Oh no. A new word. Oh no, new word.
4: <laughs> it doesn't have to be spelled right. As a reminder. Yeah, right. it doesn't have
1: to be spelled right.
3: <laughs> it just has to be at least four letters.
1: Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna just scramble it into twitch.
3: Twitch. Okay. And you you had to get rid of at least one letter. Okay, I'm going to get
1: rid of the I, and the I is implied. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, perfect, perfect. Okay, so you now have a new word, power, and which...
1: a life of seven.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, memory of seven.
1: No, you gain a life when you do that, don't you?
3: You only gain life for every letter past the first one you remove.
1: Oh, okay, okay, okay. Then I'm good. Then I'm good. Mm-hmm. Still six. Yeah. Yep, you're fine. Don't get too much okay. life, kids. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yep. You definitely manage to freeze the ones that are are coming at you as you speak this word, and they seem to, like, stand there and sort of sway back and forth. next group is going to attack Trigger. Trigger, how would you like to defend yourself from the guards?
2: Mm -hmm. Okay. Like, what kind of weapons do they have?
3: Swords, for the most part.
2: Okay, perfect. So um, I am going to be using my body to, to develop an item. Which is going to mm-hmm. be a couple of uh, little trampolines coming off the sides of me at, like, a 45-degree angle. And I'm using my <laughs> I love word of I love power, this. flippant, because I want to <laughs> flippant them away from me.
5: <laughs> oh, yes, That's please so good. tell and, me! And That's have so them...
2: <laughs> Try to, to, like, angle and give an extra little shove to, like, flip them directly into orderlish.
3: I love this. Okay. I love this so much. Okay. You're trying to beat a uh, six, but you will retra- remove two from whatever you roll because you have an item.
2: Okay. Let's give this a shot. Six minus two, so it's four.
3: Okay, cool. What does Flippant generate for you in a memory?
2: Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I see myself trying to leave my house. But as I am getting out the front door, I'm being confronted by three people who I know. And they are friends of mine. But for some reason, I really want to get away from them. And I'm angry and I'm sarcastically shouting at them to try and hurt them.
3: Ooh. Okay. Very cool. So, yeah, so you have that memory at value seven. These figures are, like, bouncing off you. Some of them are bouncing right into to Ordelish and, you know, seemingly, you know, causing much more constipation room. And he's, he's uh, screeching, kill them! Kill them! Stop them now! And there's a moment where he says, I've fed on death agents before. And then they are more coming at Mistral. All
4: right. Mistral, how would you like to defend yourself? Mostly for flavor, does the giant battle axe still exist? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So I'm going to use gravity to shift the gravity so that the giant battle axe makes as clean a line as possible through the room. Okay. (laughs) Taking as much of it, much of everything as I can with it.
1: Oh, I love that.
4: Oh, but that's an eight. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So.
3: <laughs> so, you since you did not reach it, you have to add either an affix, mm-hmm. a suffix of some sort, either a prefix or suffix, letters, or add a word to that word and add one to its value, mm-hmm. making it more specific in what it has to be used for.
4: And add a one to the value, turn it aside. I mean, they're basically in the same thing. Ungravity or gravity less. I think Ungravity. Okay. And
3: that means that the guards actually do succeed in striking at you. Of course. And they are going to do four damage to your life.
4: Oh, jeez. I think I am down to a life. What? Mm -hmm. Because I gave away the yo yo earlier. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah
1: have given him a piece of your ass.
4: Yeah, you know, <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time.
1: Uh. Yeah,
5: yeah.
3: Lonsky somewhere is getting really good at yo-yoing. <laughs> I'm, I'm so proud. Uh. He's just in some other room, like, yo-yoing, like, totally oblivious to this massive, <laughs> like, fight battle happening in the other room. Okay, so that was their attempt to attack you. Is there anything you guys want to do before it circles back around to... That means sort of like ongoing battle with you. So what would you guys like to do now? I I will tell you that you have, I gave you an extra clock segment since the first thing that triggered this battle was one of you assisting the other. So that should do extra damage. So you guys have four wedges left to try to resolve this conflict with this emperor and his hordes and hordes of fungal guards.
1: I would like to use a word of power Try to accelerate the thing that's happening to Ordelish. I would like to use after.
5: Ooh. Ooh. Okay.
1: He is proceeding from being carrion to being sustenance. <laughs> for. Oh. To being nothing but just food for something else. To losing. We're losing Ordelish entirely. We're moving on to after Ordelish. <laughs> I'm into post ordelish Have you listened to it? <laughs> Okay. (laughs)
2: and I'll assist with um, my word for my collection none which is what I want there to be left when you're done
3: (laughs) oh Oh, I like that okay so 3d6 3d6
1: so can I subtract 2 if I continue to use my huge hideous battle axe or is that already
3: you would have to tell me how the battle axe is helping you with that
1: have you ever seen a chef make minced meat? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Just like repeated fast chopping into a mass?
3: <laughs> yeah, like like in Dorohedro? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's kind of where Rip is going with
3: that. Okay, cool. So the, yeah, you can subtract two from whatever the result is up there.
1: Wait! Oh, I got a one, a one, and a two.
3: Nice. Oh, okay. Rip. <laughs> My. So what memory does this spark in Rip?
1: You know, I am. Um, I think I'm gonna tip my hand a little bit. So, Rip is eating. A lot of these are very food-centric mm-hmm. memories. Rip loves food. Rip mm-hmm. is has big torn shreds of meat hanging from its beak. When an enormous predator shows up, just appears on the scene. Mm-hmm. Rip smells them first before seeing them. But soon, when Rip lifts its head from the corpse it's been feeding on. It sees a much larger predator approach and Rip takes off flying.
3: Okay. Very cool.
1: What comes after Rip?
3: (laughs) Nice. I like that. Okay, cool. Yeah. So you are trying to turn Ortolish into Mincemeat, and you do notice that one of the guards, like kind of one of the ones that you had sort of bewitched earlier, turns their face towards Ortolish and they do this hop where their feet land in Ortolish's side and start rooting in. And Ortolish begins screaming. Two segments left on
2: the clock. Okay, I'm gonna jump in with my word of power, Tonic, and I'm going to attempt to create some sort of uh, carbonated beverage (laughs) which will insert into all of the uh the openings and pores of of Orlish and then expand and bubble outward uh accelerating whatever chemical reaction is happening and just kind of like breaking up the tissue of orderlish's body
4: this could this okay. could be a good Start time on. to add in my word invert
2: ah yes
1: Oh, Ooh. this could be the moment.
4: Okay, so all right, I like it. Okay.
2: <laughs> Rolling with three die. Uh oh, <laughs> I got six, six, and four. So the best I can do is ten.
3: Ooh. Okay. So, so you guys will both share in the negative consequences mm-hmm. then. So you both need to add affixes, letters, or a word to your this word that you were contributing then give it plus one to word value. And as you guys attempt to do this, the tonic backfires. And you guys both get showered in this tonic. And the tonic itself interferes with your gaseous clouds. And you're both going to take two light and damage.
4: And I'm (laughs) rushing. Yes. So,
3: I'm so excited. I didn't think we were actually going to have rush, but we are. So, when a death agent loses all their life, they go into rush. So you guys see Mistral's gas. You guys see Mistral's gas essentially like dissipate to the point where it's almost not visible, and you can't see Mistral at this point. And you have a moment, Mistral, where you are aware of. This strong rush of sensory information surrounding your reason. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and narrate that for me. So I
4: think there is a moment where I'm just gonna I'm just diving straight into this. I'm basically stealing it from a book I'm reading right now. <laughs> the you know the sort of general like combat figure kind of wakes up in in a bed, and there is a another person who is sort of. Dressed very finely, very resplendently, kind of, you know, getting ready to leave the room and turns back to ask the person who becomes Mistral a favor, which is, you know, for me, for the queen, I want you to open a portal to the universe of death. And in that moment, Mistral is just powerless to say no. So willingly, you know, sacrifices himself to go forth and uh, enter the the universe of death hmm. and prepare something early, and prepare this portal. Oh, oh! So Mistral, this wasn't
3: a decision made after Mistral's death. This was a decision like Mistral was a sacrifice. Yeah. So, oh, like an agreement. Okay, very, cool. <laughs> very cool. Okay, cool. Trigger, you've just tried to do this uh, atomic thing. It kind of blew up in your face. Mistral is clearly incapacitated. And it's Orbelish's guards' turn, and they are gonna come at both of you. Rip, how would you like to attempt to defend yourself by these guards? There are definitely some that have more that have latched onto Orbelish and are trying to feed on him, and you know, he is screaming, but these other fungal creatures are still running at you.
1: You know, let's get wacky. By which I mean, I'm gonna use a memory. Mm. I think Rip has remembered having wings. Mm. Rip has remembered the feeling of flying high above the world. And so Rip is going to try to use that feeling to rise out of the guard's reach. Okay,
3: cool. So that'll be trying to beat a seven.
1: I'm trying to beat a seven. I do, I got a four.
3: Nice. Okay. So you succeed and start lifting off the ground. Roll a d6. That's how much life you gain. Four. So much. Okay. As long as you don't hit 30, (laughs) you're not a problem.
1: Yeah, Rip manifests (laughs) these huge black wings.
3: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And Trigger, you can feel this massive wind coming off of these wings Mm. as Rip goes up into the air. The guards that were chasing after Rip are sort of swinging their swords ineffectually at Rip. And it is... But the ones that are coming after Trigger, of course, are still coming. So, what would Trigger like to do?
2: Okay, I'm going to create another item. And this item is just going to be a whole bunch of four-foot spikes going out for me in every direction. And, And I'm going to use my memory of being confronted by my friends and trying to push them away to help me better succeed at this attempt to keep all of the guards away from me with these spiky protrusions.
3: Nice. Okay, okay. Beat a 7, and you get minus 2 for your item, so...
2: Okay, here we go. 6 minus 2, so that's a 4.
3: Nice. Okay, so, yeah, so these guards are coming at you, and you're batting them away, and some of them are getting, like, you know, impaled on these like spikes and getting thrown back. It definitely smells like, like this This place, like there's something about this, especially with the guards that are eating Ordalish. It smells very bad in here.
5: Yeah. <laughs> you
3: can see these like, these uh, guards getting repelled back. And Rip. <laughs> I think
1: Rip wants to come down on these guards just meteor fall from the sky with the huge horrible battle axe
2: (laughs) (laughs) okay okay cool and and real quick because I successfully used a memory I just rolled a d6 and I'm getting six life back ooh okay I
1: think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna use uh, my memory of the approach of a larger predator and just like I'm a larger predator now
3: yeah yeah okay cool so that's a seven
1: wait that is a what happens if you meet because
3: that is a seven so on a memory if you meet
1: exceptional success
3: you're gonna get six life oops so it's just the, the only consequences that you gain six life but yeah you get to tell me how your awesome abilities ends this initial conflict because this is the last segment so what does it look like when you end this conflict decisively
1: Rip readies the battle axe, flies up a little higher, and then does just a meteor dive into the ground with the axe. Aimed not necessarily at the guards, but at the ground in between them and completely shatters the floor of this palace. And bits of Orderlish start leaking into the hole, and the guards tumble in screaming. And Rip is left flapping above this hole, axe in. Hands, talons, mm-hmm. talons, and <laughs> just very cool, very satisfied with itself, <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, so this place looks like the preparations for like adding a topping to a salad, like there's so much mushroom <laughs> cut up in here, like it's it's all scattered. you could make a salad with this, you could make a stir fry, you know, maybe you combine it together into some sort of meatless patty if you wanted to, but all these figures are essentially like torn apart here and mistral you regain 1d3 life
4: yep which is oh got a three or six which is three
3: <laughs> and then add yourself a memory of value seven based off of any aspect of your rush that you think
4: makes sense yep that uh, is so that we volunteered or uh, yeah we volunteered to make the portal right okay cool so
3: You guys have essentially vanquished Ordalish. You do have one other problem, though, and that is there is still a massive fleet above this planet. So normally, the last person to fill in the segment on a conflict is the one who gets a new word of power. However, since this was a huge conflict with a very big clock, I'm going to give each of you a word to add to your collection. Yay! You can move any word in your collection to your (laughs) equipped state as a word of power by spending D6 life. But I'm going to give you three words and you can choose who gets what. The first word is going to be fungus Uh for obvious reasons. (laughs) Uh The second one is going to be accelerate because you guys did that approach several times. And because of the... (laughs) very creative approaches that Trigger took I think shield has to be (laughs) a word
2: Mm -hmm. well I'll go ahead and take shield then (laughs) okay
1: I feel like either one would suit Rip but accelerate seems to be what Rip has done to this situation and would like (laughs) to further do to this situation
4: (laughs) I will go with fungus because uh, you cannot kill me in a way that matters
1: and I'm (laughs) actually going to go ahead and equip accelerate because okay. I need to spend some life. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's 1d6 life and I roll the one. <laughs>
3: <Oof>.
1: Okay. <laughs> I'm at 15 okay. life. Cool. I'm halfway to being carted away.
3: Oh my God. Anybody
4: else want to equip any words? Mm-hmm. I'm probably, I don't want to risk rushing again.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm good. I, I fractured twice, so I still have two words of power.
3: Okay, cool. What do you guys want to do about the armada that's up there?
2: So as Rip just like dives into this final blow and and kind of like there is this shock across the crowd and all the guards stop what they're doing to look up and recognize that their emperor, the first spore, has been destroyed, I am going to gather everybody's attention and I am just going to say, hey... This is your first spore now and point to Rip.
3: <laughs> Ooh. What? Ooh!
2: Hey, Trigger, what? <laughs> we we got to make them get rid of all their guns and stuff. Easiest way to do that is for you to be their leader.
0: Yeah. I okay. hatched all you fuckers. Am I allowed to say fuckers?
2: <laughs>
5: yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hatched you all, or whatever.
3: Okay, um, so trigger, what are you using to do this? Are you using luck, a memory, a word of power?
2: I think I am going to use a memory—the memory of when everything was perfect and I was smiling and laughing with a friend.
3: Oh, okay, okay.
2: And and kind of using that to kind of like envision the kind of peace and and uh, connection that could be had here.
3: Okay, cool. So that's a 7 unless somebody wants to assist.
2: Okay, I'm going to roll 6.
3: Okay, cool. Ooh. You'll gain d6 life.
2: Okay, that's 2, so I'm now at 13.
3: And so the, what few guards were here still that were left, shall we say, seem to turn towards Rip and seem to be awaiting orders. And the clock for you guys to resolve this and get safely off this planet (laughs) is a clock, well, I guess six. One of those slots is now filled in. These guards are looking to Rip awaiting direction.
1: I have a question. Uh, I think Rip's going to look at Mistral and just be like, what do we what do we do? Because I don't think Mistral communicated the what what they learned about the recycling pits.
4: Oh yeah, um, I did not.
1: Cats thinking uprising, but Rip has no clue. Yeah, yeah. So Rip's gonna look back and forth between Mistral and Trigger. Like you guys are the ones with brains. What do I? <laughs> <laughs> I think
4: trying to decide maybe do use maybe use my memory of being really shiny and impressive at court to give a rousing speech about how we need to put an end to the recycling pits and dismantle the fleet as much as possible. Mm. Okay. Okay. Courtly intrigue. So that's a seven. And I got an eight. So add one to the memories. Okay. (laughs) Yep.
3: And? Yep. And so you... Attempt to give this speech. And as you are doing that, they, you see the guards start sort of glazing over. Mm-hmm. And a door opens and more guards start walking in. And they all sort of turn to each other and say, Admiral Maddow commands now, we are to detain these assassins who await trial, or rather court-martial. At the admiral's orders.
2: Uh, storm the pits!
3: (laughs) So what are you guys doing?
2: You can't can't court-martial us. We're not in your military.
3: One of the guards does something kind of gross-looking, but it's their version of a smile, and says, consider it an involuntary conscription.
2: (laughs) Well, I think at this point, it's going to make the most sense for us to confront the other person with significant power here, if they're going to take us to a court-martial with Admiral Maddow, like, I'm inclined to just let them. So I'm going to step forward and say, wait, you want us to, to be a part of your honored military? It, it would be my pleasure. And I'm going to bow really deeply with a sarcastic what? smile <laughs> and say, come along, everyone. Let's go to our court martial. Okay,
3: if you guys are going along with it, they will take you to the court martial. <laughs> you guys are detained in a cell that you guys could easily just float out of if you needed to. <laughs> it's clearly like designed for these fungal creatures. Instead, Rip does <laughs> Just not taunt the just, guards. Just, just yeah, sitting outside. go anywhere.
1: Just floats through the bars. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> The guards look at each other very confused, and finally, you're like there is somebody brings you that comes to escort you to a court chamber. And Admiral Maddow, who you've seen is, is quite you haven't seen, but you've heard from before, is now present and standing at this podium above you, and says, "You came here and assassinated our emperor. I don't see how there could be any other verdict than some sort of." public execution, I'm sure there's a way to destroy you. The Emperor had destroyed your kind before, but you are allowed under our rules to present evidence or make your case why we shouldn't.
2: I'll step forward and say there are uh, two issues here with your reasoning. And the first is that we did not assassinate your Emperor. We came here as a part of an investigative force under death's own guidance and discovered that your emperor, as you just said, has been killing agents of death. That's a crime. And we took appropriate action.
0: Being an emperor is a crime.
2: (laughs) And number two, you can't, you can't execute us now when Rip is your new emperor slash first spore, but that's a crime. (laughs) Trigger,
0: (laughs) I don't get
3: it. Uh, Okay, so you're definitely not getting any assistance
4: from (laughs) Rip in (laughs) this, Mister Please. (laughs) I mean, I have the word fungus.
2: <laughs> okay, so I'm going to be using my word of power luck because I don't think that there's any way that this would happen without just uh it just being an incredibly lucky impact.
4: And I think um you know, appealing to the fungus that is, you know, among us. We are yeah. We are going to do that. <laughs> okay.
3: Okay. So that's a 3d6, take your two best, and...
2: Okay. Go trigger. Oh, it's 113, one, so... Two.
3: Nice. Nice. Okay, so... Tell us a memory of luck.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. I remember... Being on a motorcycle. Going down... A rural highway... At just incredibly... Unsafe speeds. Mm-hmm. And as I kind of like come around a curve, there's been a little bit of erosion from the nearby cliffside that just kind of left the the road just peppered with gravel. And I have a moment where I realize I can't slow down in time. That's going to be incredibly risky. And so I just speed up and As I go through, there's like just a little bit of a wobble, and my heart jumps up into my throat, and I think I am about to die, and then I don't. And it turns out to just have been clods of dirt that crumple under the tires, and Mm. I go on perfectly fine. Awesome. Awesome. Cool.
3: So you've got that memory. And when this happens, the tone in the room shifts. It's not like before, when you had convinced some of the guards to look at Rip as their leader. But you do have some influence in the way that they shift their attention, and you suddenly most of these creatures in here begin giggling to themselves. And you notice that the majority of them, everybody except essentially Admiral Motto and a couple of their guards. Everybody else seems to start giggling, and they start making this motion with their hand as if they have a yo-yo in it. <laughs> and they start laughing, and you can see them, like, once again, just continuing to mime this yo-yoing motion with their hands as Admiral Mato looks around deeply confused and frustrated. <laughs>
2: What's the meaning of this? I don't know. I mean uh I don't, don't you know the, the the traditional hand gesture for innocent? <laughs>
4: <laughs> it does also seem that uh, Rip has an heir. Ooh. He seems to have influence over most of the most of the people here.
0: Alright, General, here's how it goes. Death's law is that all beings are equal under death. That's the law. I found Ortolish super guilty of breaking that law, and you're starting to look super guilty of breaking that law, and that's bad (laughs) to do. Cause I, I just hate when people don't break, don't do rules. Good, I don't like
1: it, and I don't like things. I tend to get out of hand. (laughs) (laughs) I think actually, contrary to what I, what, what would be the most chaotic thing to do. Rip is going to leverage this memory of encountering the witch. Mm. A moment where two creatures of different species had kind of a weird moment of shared understanding.
5: Hmm. Okay. Cool. Th-
1: this, this notion that this, um, this other being approached Rip and had something to offer Rip and that Rip had something to offer them is a memory that Rip is leaning into right now. Okay,
3: cool, so that is a seven, yeah, does anybody want to assist
2: yeah i i I will offer a word for my collection, integrity, because uh, y- you are really trying to like demonstrate your integrity with this <laughs>
1: okay Rip has its faults <laughs> <laughs> Rip is not a perfect creature but, but it has integrity. <laughs> <laughs> Six! Triple threes, (laughs) baby!
3: Nice. And some memory. so you had to beat a seven. So you say this, and General Mato looks at you, clearly a little bit terrified. And his terror turns to panic as the guards around him begin miming the yo-yo motion. (laughs) And the doors open, and in walks Lonsky. And they come in and they're doing like this weird, as they're moving, this yo-yo trick where they're sending it through a triangle of string and things like that. And like like professional yo-yo competition stuff. Like Lonsky is picking it up way faster than any entity really should. (laughs) In part because he's been fueled by your own words of power.
5: Mm -hmm.
3: And Lonsky moves toward the yo-yo and says, oh, there you are, approaching Mistral. So it's like, I think I'm starting to get it. and then. They look around the room like,
4: what's going on in here? Well, we, you know, we had a, a disagreement with your previous leader, and we're trying to de-escalate the situation so that we can leave.
0: You're free now!
4: Oh, free to do what? Whatever you
3: want, really. Yo-yo all day if you'd like. I do like yo-yoing.
0: Drive all day if you like.
3: hmm I like driving, too. Aren't we supposed to be, like, spreading and, you know
4: building things not especially like this death universe like the the time for spreading is over and the time for relaxation is here
3: that's but that's it that's just what this is for eternity we just hang out and he looks at the yo-yo and sends it up and down again and then he sends it like up into the air and back to his hand and says just playing
2: sure well, you can find a lot of ways to play beyond—the uh, yo-yo is just the beginning. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, you, you, you can explore, you can—if if you want to help out cataloging the ever-growing universe, or focus on your interpersonal relationships,
5: or
2: <laughs> any of those kinds of things— there's just a couple of things that that we have to make clear. And one is e- 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 the recycling pits aren't necessary. Like e- you don't you don't need to to like consume people in order to develop. Oh, that's that's part of the the physics of this world. And number two, you you don't need that much military. You don't need that many guns. So so are are just a. We're, we're saying, like, get rid of half the guns, keep some for defense, but, like, you, you don't don't go taking over other people's planets, but, like, explore and find ones, you know, maybe an asteroid somewhere with it, that you can take for your own.
0: I mean, hmm. we could point you to some uninhabited worlds if you want to go explore those. We know so many worlds.
3: Polonski kind of looks around at all these other the fungal humanoid staring at him and says is that what you guys want to do and there's this sort of like collective shrug (laughs) and says i mean honestly i've always been happy just sort of driving and doing what. i I guess we could make a lot of yo-yos out of those guns i mean that's a lot of chrome (laughs) guns into yo-yos yeah. Can you imagine yeah, I mean, how cool that's... a
0: Chrome yo-yo would look?
4: Oh, oh yeah, it'd be so fucking shiny, it'd be amazing. Right. Wow. I think it is time to use my word of power starborn to make a star be born, in that Wonsky is now a celebrity on this planet. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Okay.
0: All <laughs> are oh, equal under death, ground. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Graham. So a yo-yoing, a yo-yoing prodigy, and a star, you know, traveling, okay. traveling the planet, and uh, teaching people the ways of yo-yo, and just uh, generally, you know, being kind of a, a chill, chill dude. Okay. So that will be. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a six, I guess. <laughs> yep. <laughs> trying to decide if I've got an, an uh, item that I can use.
1: You kind of do.
4: Yeah, you have the yo-yo that he's got. You can use that. <laughs> Just use that? All
1: right. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I, that's your holy relic for this weird yo-yo religion you're creating. <laughs> well, I, I rolled a I three, it. so I guess that makes it a one. <laughs> Woo! Yeah.
3: Okay. Cool. So, what's the memory of Starborn that Mistral has? I
4: think it's kind of, you know, still in that sort of courtly setting, as uh, this general figure. Kind of makes a makes a splash on the like courtly courtly scene of just being a delightful, charming talker. You know, having all kinds of stories and witty anecdotes, and that is, I think, how the general sort of initially catches the queen's eye. You know, sort of like this is someone I could you know I could spend some time with.
3: Okay, cool. So you got that memory, and as you are talking about this, Lonsky is continue to do their yo-yo tricks and the others are all staring at him and Blonsky turns to him and like, well, I mean, you don't, you don't have to do what I'm doing, but, you know, I guess we could make a bunch of yo-yos and I could sort of teach people how to do this. And as he's talking, he gets... There's something infectious, almost intoxicating about your word of power, and he gets even more chill. <laughs> and he's like, you know, we can just do whatever man I mean we don't have to like be super aggressive or anything we can just find ways to just like hang out and be chill here I mean we don't need to you know we don't we don't need to let things get you know, heavy I mean we can just do what whatever we need to do and you notice that a couple of the other fungal creatures have stopped staring or miming the yo-yo a couple of them have, Picked up small pebbles and are trying to kick them back and forth on the from the sides of their feet, essentially like hacky sacking <laughs> a small stone between each other. <laughs> and they formed a circle and they're starting to do that back and forth. And he's like, "That's what I'm talking about. That's that's what we can do." And he turns to one of the guys like, I "Tell like some of the guys on the ship like we got some things to make uh, some some yo-yos. Uh, we'll have to find something like string, but I, we we could figure it out." And honestly, I mean, I don't think we really need to go anywhere unless people really want to. But you know, let's let's just take some time to hang out and chill together. And the rest of these like creatures begin sort of gathering around and hanging out. And Lonsky goes over, reaches out a hand as if to clap one of you on the back, realizes you're just a gas, <laughs> a, a noxious gas cloud, and says so uh thanks it was really really cool and chill of you to drop by and not you know utterly annihilate our whole civilization so appreciate it. that was very cool of you three um anything else I can get you before you go on your way I mean we, we're not, I'm not trying to kick you out it's just like we got we got a lot of time to make up for and you know we've got to get have got get our groove on. <laughs>
4: Hey, good luck with the groove! Yeah, I think just... Uh,
3: I appreciate that.
4: Just, you know, cool it on the recycling pits, and I think you'll be fine, you know?
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we'll, we'll turn those into a hot tub That or sounds awesome.
2: <laughs> nice. Cool. And uh, you know, before we go, one more thing, and then I'm going to, like, take a part of my gaseous form and turn it into a, a set of jacks and uh, hand that to them Ooh. and just say... You'll figure it out. (laughs) Oh,
3: oh, okay. And cool. Thank you. And yeah, they, you know, unless you guys want to do something else with them, like, you know, Lonsky directs a couple, directs somebody else to drive you out to your ship. Lonsky's very fixated on the Yelvio, and otherwise they would drive themselves. Mm. But
2: (laughs) yeah, that sounds great.
3: Yeah, no, I'm good. They drive you out to your ship and. As you board the Nautilus, and as Star Jeffrey begins preparing for liftoff, they launch. The tentacles, like, the way it launches is it, like, pushes, it uses its tentacles to sort of leap into the air before the engine kicks in, and as they cross the atmosphere, any of you who were below Sixth Life are now at Sixth Life again, and you no longer have spent item slots, you're reformed what you need to be and the as you enter space star jeffrey says i've received a communicate that you'll need to turn in your reports but it appears that death is satisfied and i just want to let you all know that i am so proud of you and as you guys are flying off to report in Let's go around and do final scenes for each of your characters as you're spending this journey back to a base.
1: I think Rip is hard at work on the report. (laughs) Mm -hmm. While Rip is extremely chaotic and Rip is just a a dangerous wild animal, it is also obsessively, unflinchingly loyal to death. So if death requires Mm -hmm. a report, Rip is going to put everything it has into making that report perfect. Okay.
2: Okay. I think for me, for Trigger, they will also be writing, but not the report. They're feeling good about doing that later. They're back in their cabin or something with a journal and is just kind of like writing down all the the details of of the memories that, that they've collected and kind of like thinking back over them and putting as much detail as they can into them. And then, you know, the camera pulls back a little bit and you can see there's a pile of a couple dozen journals over in the corner. Mm. And they are, are just like setting that aside and says, oh, this one was kind of intense. I think it's time to get wiped again. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. What about Mistral?
4: I think we find Mistral in, I don't know, whatever's the nearest equivalent to like a library or like a computer terminal, like trying to do as much research into like portals, portals in general, but without like, I don't know, Mm. on whatever this, this universe's equivalent of the dark web is. So that trying not to, trying not to, you know, show up on death's reports. All right. Yeah, so
3: you, as you're studying those reports, the camera starts panning back from where Mistral is, and it comes back, and then we can see that we're actually looking through a Star Jeffrey security cam <laughs> watching you. And then the camera bends, like it does a quick transition back to planet B17, where there is all these fungal creatures just playing jacks. <laughs> and yo-yoing and hack-a-sacking. A A few of them have been constructing hand gliders. They're yelling extreme (laughs) to each other um, as they go off of uh, the cliff faces. But there is one temple where the original items that they received, that first yo-yo and that first set of jacks, are enshrined (laughs) as they play with all these things they've made out of the guns as time moves forward and the Nautilus returns Thank you so much for playing Necronautilus.
4: That was so fun! (laughs) I love that we (laughs) went to, like, you know, flesh-and-blood chrome planet and turned it into, like, the (laughs) Island of Misfit Toys. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. (laughs)
1: The journey journey we took was kind of just, like, death metal to black metal to stoner metal.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Uh, Yeah. Toby, I love the trampolines.
1: Oh my <laughs> god, <The>
4: trampolines! <laughs>
1: that was completely wild. Yeah,
4: it was very good.
1: Uh, yeah,
4: yeah. There were some real
2: fun parts in that. <laughs> uh,
3: oh, so much fun! Yeah, thank you so much for playing, and uh, thank you, the listener, so much for listening to us. If uh, people wanted to reach out to any of us to talk about Necronautilus or about this episode or anything, how would they find you guys online?
2: You can find me on Twitter at TobyTastic, and you can also check out Writing Alchemy at writingalchemy.net.
4: You can find me on Twitter at the Instagram. That is Graham spelled like the cracker, but with an E at the end. And also find the games that I make at theinstagram.h.io, and you can find the role Less Taken, my podcast, at Roll Less Taken on Twitter.
1: You can reach me one of two ways, probably either on Twitter at Catling Gun, that's C A T L I N G Gun, peepew. You can also reach me by the email form at peachgardengames.com.
3: You can find me on Twitter at Anderlich, A-N-D-R-L-I-K, or on the Explorers Wanted and Actual Play Numenera podcast. Hope you all enjoyed the show. Thank you so much for listening. Have a good night, day, weekend, or whenever you're listening to this. And bye. bye!
0: The intro and outro music for all IPM episodes is composed by Benny James. Our graphic art and logo are by Matthias Grelli. You can support International Podcast Month by sharing and talking about the event, and you can even buy our team members a coffee. Links are in the show notes. Follow us at PodMonth on Twitter. Head on over to internationalpodcastmonth.com for the month-long blog and for more information about the event. International Podcast Month. Celebrating creators, sharing listeners.